Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Tales of Recovery. All of the friends that listen and the enemies as well. Everyone's welcome here. This episode, the enemies might not like it so much, but whatever. You can always hit next and listen to another podcast. This uh, time, coming back from like, I don't know, I think it's been a little bit now, you know, the winter and you know, barely now the spring equinox, we're getting a little bit more energy, at least over here on my end. There is more energy coming. I have a lot of guests coming through and some good stuff popping along here, both in English and in Spanish. I will record this episode in Spanish after this. It's called Beyond Beliefs. And I had several encounters with some quite, quite, quite religious people here in the past couple of weeks, which got me to thinking about how sometimes we, or I, I will speak from my experience, um, something happens in my life, I talk about it, and then, like, that's it, it's it's done. Um, I don't really bring it up anymore, I don't really talk that much about it, after a while, you know, after you've been grinding it for a bit. And then I realized, you know, um, some of these themes, in particular, the one about religion, might be important to continue to talk about, regardless if I'm over it. Or if you're over it, because Beyond Beliefs is, um, it, I just seem, I just think that it's so deep ingrained in our bones how experience is really what what molds us. And then we get fed all these beliefs, and then we don't really listen to our experience, to our body, um, what it's telling us, what our intuition knows, because we're so freaking brainwashed that we just kind of go along with it. And my, uh, I was out, I was out in, a, down in the South of Mexico, uh, with, doing yoga with some friends. And one of the, one of the things that the teacher mentioned was how we went into a sweat lodge, right? And he was talking about the elements and they had an altar and the, he was talking about what a ritual meant. And the ritual is something that you do to give meaning, right? To an experience. But he said, there's nothing here to believe. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing to believe. This is a new age. This is actually very old school, a sweat lodge. But there's a lot of people there that are Mexican that didn't even know what a sweat lodge was. And, you know, because it was taken out of the culture uh, when the Spaniards came in and took over Mexico, it was like, none of that. That's from the devil. We're going to just put all of the missionaries and everybody just needs to believe what Christianity is and brainwash everybody and sneak in here and there a few saints so that people will comply even though that was already um had begun way back in in europe because there were so many other pagan religions but you know the point being that there's so many experiences that we haven't had because of beliefs that have been put into our brain so when something else comes up like a sweat lodge or like i don't know going to read the tarot or or showing up at a place where they're doing something that's different than your experience of controlled and governed religion, religious belief, then you freak out a little bit. It's like, wait a minute, is that like weird? Like, is that new age? Is that something that, you know, that's not from the church. The church is going to like, you know, send me to hell. And so it's important to learn the context of where this church thing comes from. And I'll tell you what my experience was. I drank the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. I was swimming in the river of Kool-Aid for quite some time because, well, you know, 
I never really grew up too religious, but when I was around 30, 31, and I had my first baby, we lived in, we just moved to the United States. I didn't have that many friends. My husband and I were going through a bit of a hard time in our marriage. And there was this huge, huge, like very rock and roll church that I hadn't really seen that shit happening in Mexico. And I went and they had a big band. And if you know my story, you know, I've talked about this before. Everybody was so friendly and they had freaking childcare, which means I could leave the baby for a little bit. And then just, you know, I got invited to like all of the cool people's houses and right away it was like, Oh, here we go. This is a really nice people. And I also had a lot of fear then because when you have a baby, something comes over you if you're not in touch with, you know, the reality of mother earth and nature and the reality of ancestral wisdom and knowledge that has been taken you know, for many of us. Um, and so I had a lot of fear. My family, even though we were very earthy and into, you know, camping and outdoors and whatever, the actual rites of passage and earth-based traditions were gone because totally colonized. And so I didn't have that connection. I had a lot of fear about, okay, what the fuck is going to happen with this baby if I mess up? And so that added on to the fact that I was having a hard time with my husband. Anyway, I was welcomed so kindly into this group of religious people. And I didn't really think it was a big deal. I just thought, oh, well, I'm sure, you know, my family will be happy. Right. We're doing the, the good girl thing, the God thing. And um, there were some arguments, of course, with the Catholics versus the evangelists. And long story short, every fucking year that I was at that place, I kept reading the books of apologetics. Now, let me just find very briefly here the, um, the definition of apologetics, right? Because it's a recent argument or writing in justification of something, typically a theory or religious doctrine, okay? Apologetics. I'll read that one more time. Case you're interested. Reasoned arguments or writings in justification of something, typically a theory or religious doctrine. So for the several years that I was in this um, Kool-Aid River, I read an apologetics book on every single freaking Bible verse, Bible chapter, whatever, because I knew deep in my bones that it was fucking ridiculous not hanging out in community and, you know, you know, I don't know, singing to something greater than life, you know, this big mystery, but naming the mystery and certainty that it was this, that it was that, that if you didn't turn over your life to, you know, um, this baby that was born out of not even wedlock, but like with, from a virgin, like all of these myths I knew were like kind of ridiculous, but I thought, well, but everyone's so nice. And this is what I've been programmed to believe. This is the fucking programming. And um, I just went with it, right? I just went with it. And I just kind of like blindfolded and kept on keeping on. And what ended up happening is that, you know, this fear and this need for certainty kind of really, really jaded, jaded my, um, my reality. And I didn't really have time to freaking investigate whether or not it was real. It was just life was happening. Life was happening until 
until I began to kind of get to know what was going on and kind of bored by the same thing and kind of like, why are they asking for so much freaking money? And it just didn't work for me anymore. And I, and I started to also realize, why am I reading all these freaking apologetics? Like, why do I need to convince myself? And I remember one of the ladies there told me one time, I told her, you know, I really struggle with this. My grandfather, for example, and my great-grandfather, my great-grandfather was completely anti-religion, anti-Christianity in particular. He just said that it was all for control of the masses and it was for the controlling dumb people and that it didn't give you an independence and an empowerment, which is kind of what my grandfather would say. But, you know, he didn't really rock the boat because my grandmother wanted to send everybody to church. So he was like, yeah, just go to me, you know, and so... There was this part of me that kind of knew, and I told this to one of the one of the ladies there that was one of the pastor's wives or something, and she said, you know, you're always going to struggle with that. You will always struggle with the intellect about how this isn't really true. Just don't listen to it. Just put it in the doubt basket. And then eventually you'll have an experience where you'll be like, oh, yeah, this is actually real, you know, Noah's Ark and shit. And I was like, okay. I guess I'm always going to struggle with this. I'll just be one of the weird ones that doesn't fucking know what they mean when they say, I love God and lift up your arms and praise the Lord. I just thought, how do they do this? And when I did do it, I'm going to be honest. I was either lost in the frequencies of the music because music is music. You lose your shit, whether you're at church or freaking Phil Collins concert or Sinead O'Connor concert or, you know, you're just like, music is going to take you places. And people can use it to manipulate as well. And so I uh, eventually figured out that this wasn't working. And so I asked for help because I was so fucking knee deep and that it was just kind of like whenever I brought up a doubt, there was too many powerful people telling me that, what are you talking about? Don't go there. Don't say that. That's not reality. That's not true. And so I started to... um, of course, I reached out to some friends that were beyond me doing this, right? Already, like, making their own discoveries of this wasn't true and going different ways. Because um, I've always been very connected to the great mystery, to spirit. Always, always loved, like, magical experiences. And um, But I've had some deep encounters with some shit that I didn't know, right? Like, supernatural stuff and, like, like the Ouija board moving around when I was 13 and, like, people doing energy work and someone doing clean pias and stuff. And it was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, this is exciting. But also wait, 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 is this safe? Like, are we going to get in trouble Um, because of so much programming? And so eventually when I started to read, you know, Richard Rohr or um, other, you know, men of faith and women of faith, like Felina, um, that just Felina hurts that, I just started to realize, okay, the other people have a different vision of this, different experience. It's not so fundamentalist. So I reached out to Felina and I started to work with her. I said, you know, I need some guidance on this because I don't really think what they're saying here is true. But I also really, I also am really struggling with what what I'm supposed to believe. Because in the end, we all want to know what the hell is going to happen when we die, which is the main reason we get into these Kool-Aid rivers to begin with right? We want certainty. And then Felina would say, okay, well, let's meet. We started talking once a week and she would start all of our meetings with D 
deep breaths, deep breaths. And then she just say like, okay, be still and know, be still and know, be still, be still, be still, be. And then, you know, we would start our, 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 our talks about what do you think? What, what, what do you, what do you, like, I would really just vent. Like, I can't be myself with these people that I thought were my friends. It's been two to three years. And every time I, I say like, why are you talking shit about gay people? Why are you talking shit about addicts? Like, I thought you were supposed to be the love of God and you guys are so freaking judgmental and there's so much fear. And, um, and after venting, you know, she would always tell me like, you know, those are opportunities, right? Every trigger is an opportunity, but then when we would get into a little bit deeper, she would always ask me, what's your experience? Um, what is your experience with that? I'd say, well, well, I've had gay friends since I was like 12 years old, since we even knew what gay was. And they're, they're great. I mean, we, they were my best friends and it was so much fun. And she's like, okay, so that's your experience. Okay. Yeah. Like, who cares what the frick of scripture says? And then, well, she didn't say that. I would just you know, repeat that after, I guess, because it was like, is my experience valid? Like, is my experience bigger than what somebody over there says are the rules? And, you know, I, I continued to, so she suggested that I would do these contemplative practices, which was like 45 minutes of just sitting in silence, just listening to my breath or repeating some type of Back then, it was like some type of like love verse or a psalm or, or here I am or I'm grateful or something like that. And I remember sitting in the morning and in the evening, 45 minutes every day, every day. In the meantime, I was also reading a lot of Richard Rohr and Brené Brown. And the book, The Gifts of Imperfection, was really, really powerful for me. During this time of contemplative meditation, which was really helpful because it, it just gave me such peace uh, it was hard. It was really freaking hard. I mean, you, to sit there for 45 minutes, just breathing. Um, I mean, I started with 15, but then I was so desperate to know, is my experience valid or do I have to believe this fucking bullshit that's killing me because I cannot do it anymore. It was like so ripping my, my gut apart, having to go to church and serving the people and blah, 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 the worship team and everything was the Lord and everything was a sin and all of you. It was just so sickening and so depressing. I mean, I went to counselors, I went to all these events. I didn't know what to do. And so I was hungry. And so I was contemplating 45 minutes in the morning, 45 minutes at night. That's how deeply I desired, you know, to just, to just be free of this. But of course, Felina is so wise. She didn't just say, oh, it's not real. You can build whatever you want. She was, she's one of those people that holds space like all spiritual directors should really hold space and offer you to discover without them telling you what to do, right? Because it's kind of what we want. We want, you know, it's like, you know, the pastors or the priests or whatever river of Kool-Aid you're in. It's like your second set of dysfunctional parents. So I, after a while of practicing, I, I, I was asked to lead a retreat um, for this church called um, for First Presbyterian Church. Because it wasn't really, well, I didn't think it was as fundamental, but they actually were, you know, the frozen chosen, really beautiful, lovely people there. But we did this retreat, which first of all, sold out. And the topic was love your neighbor as yourself. And it was all about self-love because, you know, 
in Christianity and on all these religions, it's all about, I am third, everybody give it all away, give it all away, serve all the people. Meanwhile, you're over here really freaking pissed off and resentful because you're not taking care of yourself. So there was a lot of Brené Brown in there about guilt and shame and things that you feel because you're not putting yourself in the first place because of the program and because of just the human condition. And um, there was a lot of talk about emotions. I brought in my friend Renee from the UCSD Center for Mindfulness, and we had contemplative sessions break out. Not, we didn't call it meditation. God forbid we call it meditation because that's, you know, that's Buddhist, that's yoga, that's the devil. So we call it contemplative practices, which is all that you guys, it's all the fucking same, right? The experience, if you're breathing and if you're in your body, is going to be the same. The intention might be different. But the experience is you are calm or maybe you're not calm, but you are going inwards, which is the whole point anyway, because the body is going to die, turn into dust. So going inwards is so important. And when we did this retreat, it went, I thought it was amazing. I thought it went great. I mean, it was like, I had women coming up to me that said, you know, that thing you talked about guilt and shame, like. I got married a virgin. I had the kids. I served my husband and the people in the church. I served the Lord. I've done everything right. And I have, of all those lists of shame and guilt emotions that you put up there, I feel every single freaking one of them. And it was interesting, right? These women would come and say that. I was like, oh, I mean, I was just trying to make a point of the difference between the two, but I didn't realize that, oh, the religion doesn't work. People feel it anyways, because it's probably because it's bullshit. And they're just trying to, you know, navigate you to do whatever they want and to be controlled and to not, you know, have a have your own empowerment and your own train of thought, because that might be dangerous. And so as I kept working with Felina and after this retreat, we had a meeting with some of the ladies that had hired me for it. And they said, well, two of them really liked it. But the other two, one of the main ones said to me, you know, Greece. I think there was too much talk on emotions, too much touching on emotions and not enough scripture. And I was like, well, we have the main scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like you can do some other retreat on just memorizing scripture. Like that's going to do anything. But touching on emotions and the way we feel and the felt sense in our sentient bodies might be more important. And so they didn't agree with me and they didn't ask me to come back, which is okay because it pushed me into a further deepening of I'm getting the fuck out of here and as soon as possible. And so I began to have an experience. I began to realize, okay, I have had experiences of deep connection with spirit in these retreats, like in contemplative practices, in the music. So I'm not saying it's all wrong. It's just energy. And I had a, a, a teacher from a lovely, beautiful yoga teacher told me a long time ago, like, los cristianos mueven mucha energía. She said to me, the Christians move a lot of energy. Because in the end, it's all energy, right? It's all frequencies. And they know how to move that energy. And if you're coming in here completely empty and completely programmed and completely lost, of course, you're going to fall for it. Because, you know, you're getting attention. Nobody else gives you attention. You're looking for love. Well, it might work for a little bit. It might be this little bridge like it was for me. As long as we're moving in the direction of towards love, then, you know, life has a way of opening other doors. And if you're ready and willing and, and 
awake, you can open the doors and keep on walking, which is what I did. I kept on walking. And um, I, you know, when I left there, it was like, I remember telling one of the guys that worked there, like, listen, dude, you're super fundamentalist and you're really hurting a lot of people because your beliefs are getting in the way of your experience. Like you've talked to some of my friends and your friends, especially in your family that are maybe gay and you still love them, but your belief is getting in between your heart and this person because you think that this is something that's wrong and you're going to help. And it's fucking dumb. It's fundamentally, it's fundamentalist and it's wrong. And say, no, I'm not a fundamentalist. I remember telling him, listen, Richard Rohr, which is this really cool, like Jesuit um, monk who, who, who talks a lot about contemplative practices, has some great literature. And he's, you know, he's super into the Bible, but he does talk about this experience of, a, of life as a tricycle, right? And so in the tricycle, there's two wheels in the back, tradition in scriptures, like whatever tradition you were born into whether that was Judaism or Christianity or whatever you were born into. And then the scriptures, so whatever rules they had or whatever, you know, holy books or poetry, that's what I call it now, wisdom, some some wise words in some of them. And then in front, the front wheel is your experience. And in this little tricycle, as you're riding along, you get to turn one way or the other way, depending on your experience. And I, and I was talking to this person knowing, okay, you were born from this, from, you know, you were born into this super, super, super like square fundamentalist thing. My experience is I'm in the South of Mexico. There's sort of Catholic, you know, my dad, but my mom was also doing other stuff. We were, you know, doing like lots of different earth-based stuff with um, some of the other friends that I grew up with and Temascales and, the natives had different traditions. So my experience is way bigger than just in this little box of, you know, Riverside Church for freaking my whole entire life. Like, have you traveled? Have you seen that other people do different ways of connecting to their inside and to their earth and to other people? It's like that. It's not like the only thing, even though y'all think it is. So it didn't work out, of course. You know, Michelle had told me it's not going to work out. Just so you know, they're not. You know, don't don't get your hopes up that they're gonna just follow along and change all the rules and so whatever I end up leaving. And one of the things that that comes along with this triangle, not a triangle, but the tricycle of beliefs is um what he says is like if we leave off any of these three wheels, the experience, tradition, scripture, our interpretation of scripture and reality or of wise words in reality, will be unstable and biased according to our egoic need of the moment. And the egoic need of the moment, I think, is really heartbreaking because so many friendships were lost. So many people just was like, oh, no, you're going to go to hell. And it's like, no, I'm fucking going to heaven now. It'll be freedom because you guys were exhausting me. And I began to realize, good Lord, I've been fighting this intuition, this experience in my body, this knowing in my bones that this was not fulfilling or true or rich or or lasting. You know, it didn't last. It lasted when it could. And that was it. So, you know, I, I, 
I, I, I thought of one time I was, we were talking to someone in there and I thought about like, you know, we have to have grace for other people. Like we have to have grace for people that are horrible and, and sick or that have different ways of life. And, and there's no way that if you don't say that little prayer, that the universe or spirit isn't going to just be like, oh, whatever. And, and even if, if you believe in that, because there might not be anything, it might just be, you know, I don't know, quantum physics. And this dude has the audacity to say that you don't have better grace than God. Basically, God is an asshole, bigger asshole than you. And if you don't do what this, what this God, imaginary God of him does, then you're fucked. And so that's, that's when I was like, that's a really horrible belief. But what's the experience? His experience is probably fear. And when you have so much fear put in through your brain, it transfers into your body and it transfers into your experience, right? It's, it's what we call trauma or one of those embedded memories of, of something that's super fear, um, like super scary, like watching the Exorcist movie when you're young or Jaws. You just, you don't ever, ever want to go swimming anymore because you think that shark is coming. And then you didn't even really experience it. You just saw it. You heard it. Like, just like you hear these people tell you, don't leave the faith because you're going to go down into hell. And what ended up happening after many years of working with well, working with Felina and working with other people and really sitting in contemplation, I began to have these experiences in solitude and quiet in my breath that were really uplifting and very beautiful. I remember thinking like, um, because Felina would guide me in some, of the, in some of the meditations and say, what is your experience? What are you thinking? What are your experience with this person, with that person? And deep down, my experience really was love. Like, well, I really love this person. Like, I really like laughing with them and having coffee. And I really, and, and all of the going back into deep experiences for me was, was love. And one time that I was in these, in this, one of my meditations, I realized, and this is like six months into it, right? It took some time was I opened my eyes and I realized I am one with everything. Like I am God, like I am this thing. We are this thing, and it's not like this God Santa Claus dude up in the sky, like the fundamentalist might believe it is. Or it was just like this nothingness, but also this everythingness. I remember getting up, walking towards the room, and I saw Julio, and I was like, I figured it out. I am God. You are God. He just freaked out and said, What the fuck are you talking about? Don't say that. See? The fear. I was like, no, it doesn't matter. And like, it's not like that. So I couldn't really say anything for a long time because it takes time for others who have also been drinking the Kool-Aid. And even though Louis never really drank it all the way, like he just went to peace, whatever. He didn't really give a shit about signing commitments to church or deleting this or that or tithing. He was like, these motherfuckers, they're in for like, it's a business. He knew even deeper than I did. But, but you know, we're still Mexican. So you're still kind of like, sort of like down that Catholic driveway thinking that you can't say that you're God. And as time went by, our experience became, okay, let's all meditate. We started to just sit in mindfulness, and, but like frequency music and um, 
just sit and breathe. And we could sit there for like 45 minutes, an hour, sometimes even longer, and just be crying and joy and noticing the emotions and feeling super calm. And then, and then sometimes not feeling calm, but just sitting through it and noticing, wow, this is all an experience. And the body shifts from stiffness to softness and from love to joy and from anger to fear. And it doesn't matter what you believe. You're having this experience here in this I don't know, like this, this, this earth, right? These elements in the body. And we'd go, we began to do like, or I began to do more. um, Actually, I always was doing hiking in nature, but more of like guided um, sits like outside of nature, like, you know, just circles in nature and going into the sweat lodge and reading more about the ancestral medicine of Mexico and, um, and realizing, you know, there's a lot of magic here and you don't have to believe anything because I didn't really even want to believe anything. I was so over beliefs. I just thought this is a beautiful experience to dance outside in the stars with fire and throw an intention of it. And then I did a lot of dance movement therapy when I worked for prison yoga project, in particular, this one lady that was just blew my mind, how getting into the body mindfully, like the mind body movement and dancing could take you to places that were just phenomenal. And the experience of that, it's like, whoa, we are alive in these bodies. And I have experienced that since I was young, but it get it got like all enmeshed in whether or not it's a belief that it's okay to feel this or not, like feeling pleasure and enjoyment and liberation. It's like, wait, 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 no, no, cover up. Don't feel that. That's too much. That's too heavy. Versus like, no, it's not. You can feel whatever you want and you can shake your butt and you can grab your body and you can feel sensual and and it's your birthright to sense these sensations regardless of the belief. Now, of course, in the context of consciously and without harm to you or anybody else and a lot of discipline. And then I began to study, okay, let's study, you know, what the Toltecs were doing, what the Nautics were doing, what these earth-based women beyond these people were doing, the Lakotas, and just realizing that to me what calls me is the experience of nature right going to the beach having a garden you know riding a horse or or, or just petting a horse petting a puppy walking around barefoot and so we began to connect how like how disconnected we really are from from this earth body from this from the experience of being actual humans because of so much concrete and ideas and quote-unquote civilization so it's just, what is your experience? So the experience now is this like a daily experience for me is of gratitude. If I can't, sometimes I just can't get there. You know, being human is kind of crazy and it's complicated. And But the experience of constant um, breathing and awareness. I'm aware I'm breathing in. I'm aware I'm breathing out. You know, boom, like... I'm aware that it doesn't matter what people believe as long as I know that the intention is love. And maybe somebody believes something because they're just trapped in that belief or they were swimming in the river of Kool-Aid for a little bit, kind of like I was for a few years. And then afterwards, you know, the experience is I really like earth-based. I love going into the sweat lodge. I love going into the earth and sweating and screaming and dancing and playing the drum and 
and swimming in the ocean and climbing up the trees and climbing up the mountains and feeding my chickens and being in touch with the earth. And maybe it's because I'm older. And maybe it's not because I'm older, because I also, my daughter loves that stuff, you know, being in nature. I think all of us love being in nature. Actually, I take that back. I have a couple of friends that don't even want to take their shoes off and get any sand on their feet. But I also think that's programming and it's not very healthy. And they probably wouldn't have a problem taking their shoes off if they're down in like Maui or some shit in the beach, you know. Um, But the experience of connection to your own self, a connection to me and then to others is really fucking, I think, what it's about. And what happens at these uh, like communities of, of beliefs is that people are so thirsty to connect, they'll take any fucking connection, you know? It's like getting into a gang. You don't give a shit if it's MS-13, you're going to be going to jail. You're connecting. You don't give a shit if you're you know, shooting up heroin because you're connecting. And so it's part of the journey, but then in a wholesome way, to connect to yourself with ancestral ways, like how we really were way in the beginning or how you are, however you can connect to knowing that you are part of this earth and the elements that you are made of are the main elements of earth, right? Earth, water, air, fire, and then the ether. And this is, you know, you're born of this. You wouldn't even be standing here breathing if you weren't that. And here you are in this rock floating in the middle of space. And so the experience for me is a miracle of looking outside the window, seeing these plants, these birds, you know, the sky with the clouds, being able to feel the warmth of the sun on my face or standing in the rain and then giving a hug to, you know, my little grandkids or my kids, my my partner. I mean, it's just, this is to me the experience and really honoring it and how sacred it is. And so I've, I've moved from beyond this belief because somebody in the book says to my own experience of acknowledging how sacred this is, how sacred life is. Especially when, you know, you've seen people die right in front of you. Like my mother, my grandmother, my grandfather, my friend Cindy, my friend Luisi, some friends from work. It's just, you, you realize, you know, this is so impermanent. And seeking that equanimity and that and that meaning, making sense of your life. And, you know, if you're all tied up in the church and that makes sense for you, then it makes sense for you. But the question for me is, does your belief get in the way of connecting with you, with your true self, with your true pleasure, and allowing for everybody to be? Or are you judging the shadow people, being all clicky, and then cutting off that, that capacity that you have to really be free in love? Because... You know, if you're judging others because, oh, man, esos pobrecitos se van a ir al interno, you know, that's, it's arrogant, first of all. And it's, in my opinion, it's just, it's just sad. It cuts you off. I mean, it's like having borders here and there. It's just, that's just because somebody came up and put up a fence and fought people out. But if everybody was just standing at the same time at a, Beat of a volcano or at the top of a beautiful mountain or in the ocean, what is the experience going to be like? Wow. You know, there's a sun on your face and you're going to drink some water and feel it say to you. And 
those experiences are all the same. Like you chew food and it turns into your hair. It turns into your part of your liver. And it happens the same to everybody. So beyond belief, what is your experience? And so the work that I do in my retreats and my workshops is really to get into the body and allow these experiences to come through because we haven't allowed them to come through because of beliefs. Yeah, there's trauma and there's protection and there's things that you're afraid of, but a lot of it is a belief, a story that you've created in your mind about things cannot be this way. Things need to be this way or that way or else I can't do it. And if we would just notice through breath and through allowing little by little our experience to come through, maybe we might be more at peace with who we are, more accepting of our humanity and more open to love um, of self. The more we fall in love with ourselves, the easier it is to see others and say, okay, you know, that's just the experience. That's just what's happening. And um, it's just an invitation, right? To realize what am I really believing? Why is this? Why do I think that this story is true? And what is my experience? And I am, of course, offering a workshop on conscious embodiment again on May 2nd at Maya Moon Company, where we'll touch on these maybe like tools on how to get, how to make sense and how do I, like if you've never, like, I don't know, I don't know what my experience is, what am I scared of? What is she talking about? Um, or how do I do this? If you're interested, May 2nd at Maya Moon Collective, it'll be on my events page coming up here soon. We're also hosting Death Cafe again. If you're grieving and want to have a circle of um, another ritual to be able to cry and grieve and scream and remember the people that you've loved, that you've lost or whatever that you've lost, because that's another thing that we also don't allow ourselves to experience because we believe we should be over it. We should not be so loud. I already cried two weeks. I shouldn't cry anymore. So these are all beliefs. But what is your experience? If you want to come have an experience embodied and be seen and be accompanied, I invite you to Death Cafe at Reunify Yoga on May 7th. May 2nd will be at Maya Moon, Conscious Embodiment. That's for the LGBTQ community and people of color. But of course, it's for everybody. Um, and more retreats and more, more, more things coming up. Those are the two uh, that are coming up here pretty soon. Thank you for listening. Um, please share, subscribe, rate, you know, I'll do all the things that you get to do to hook it up over here. And I will post this up in Spanish here coming soon. Thank you, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Breathe and may you enjoy your experience.